Welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Leaps and Bounds. I'm your host, Tom Bash, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you conversations with some of the most successful CEOs, sales leaders, and home improvement professionals. When I started in this industry 20 years ago, tearing off roofs, I had no idea about what went into making a home improvement business successful. Now, having met with thousands of contractors, helping them adopt technology, and watching them grow, I'm excited to invite them on to share what's made them successful, what they're doing today to stay ahead of their competition, and the advice they have for others. On today's episode, I'm joined by Andrew Starnino of Bathfitter Inland Northwest. Listen as he shares his deep roots with the Bathfitter brand, why he recommends specializing in one trade, and the thing he's done that's been a total game changer. We'll also discuss his approach to customer experience and how they've gone about setting the right expectation at a time when there's uncertainty in material availability and global supply chain concerns. Well, I'm excited to get this show started, so let's go. Hey, Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom, how are you? Thanks. Good, good. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, I, I like to start these off, and I always have started these off by asking, how'd you get into the industry? So I want to start there, and then we'll dive into some, some more things later. Well, uh, for me, this will be my uh, 17th year working for Bathfitter. Uh, my uncles actually are the uh, founders of Bathfitter, um, and they currently own and operate the manufacturing and franchise portion of, of, Bathfitter, of Bathfitter today. Um, but I started out basically as a shop guy, um, you know, working at a small retail uh, store and then kind of worked my way up. Uh, I was an installer from 2004 to 2008. Um, you know, I was pretty technical. I like kind of work with my hands. Actually, I still do. Um, so I did that for a little while and then uh, eventually started working at a retail op- operation out of Chicago. Um, so basically in a retail store and then eventually got an opportunity to open a uh, independently operated franchise here in Spokane, Washington. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. We've, we've been at, at it here since 2013. Um, we've grown to uh, almost 30 employees and uh, we're going to probably do about nine million dollars in revenue this year. So we're pretty uh, we're pretty happy of where we've come from the last you know, eight years. And, um, we're looking for, uh, we got big goals for the foreseeable five years. That's awesome. Now growing up, knowing that this was sort of like in the family, like, did you, was your vision growing up that you're going right into this or did you have no. other aspirations or no, 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 <laughs> no, I was kind of a dumb, uh, I wasn't that smart at school. I was, I was, uh, wasn't great at it. I ended up getting a poli sci degree, but I was kind of, kind of just limping along through that. Um, and then it was kind of like, 2009 i was a pretty felt like i was pretty good at installing but not really great so it was like not a really clear path it was just kind of what was going on and then um i was like middle of january and i was in uh was in montreal and i just graduated from university didn't really know exactly what to do and they said hey do you want to go to florida i said sure january i'm in canada you want to go to florida yeah right work at one of these (laughs) he's like i'm i'm in (laughs) So yeah, that's how it kind of started. I actually bounced around as a special projects manager, kind of helping out some locations that were struggling or when there was management or ownership changes, that was kind of my role to go in there and help. But it was really just, you know, sometimes go install and fix something, sometimes take care of a customer, sometimes help an employee, whatever it was. So it was, I was really, really, really lucky to have that opportunity because I was able to kind of see and learn what wasn't working and then be able to kind of really start getting the experience that you needed. So it was like kind of learning by seeing what was not good. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. Um, so, like, so, so you do this. You're as you're an installer, and 
I mean, what was what was that like? Because you transitioned out of being an installer, right? When like the economy crashed and everything. Like, yeah, ex ex yeah. So or, or during that whole time, like from 2009 to like 2010, 11 ish, we were, you know, there was some stuff, stuff people were struggling, right? Like the, you know, it was harder to get business. It was harder to, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was a tough time. It was a really, really good learning experience in the sense of it wasn't easy to get new business. It wasn't easy to work with people. I mean, there's a lot of negativity going around at the time. And for me, it was the beginning of my career. So it was kind of, yeah. thank God it happened though, you know, cause, cause, I, I learned a ton, right? Like you, you, your level of, of learning from seeing things that don't go well are amazing. Yeah. hundred percent. So today you, I mean, you're, you're, you're a bath fitter. Uh, you, you, that, that's what, that's all you do, right? Is, is baths. I mean, what, tell me more about what the business does. Yeah. So our business is strictly tubs and shower areas so the wet area of a bathroom and we uh we'd like to keep it that way our, our goal is to to kind of stay really efficient and specialized in what we do um but basically we have an acrylic uh bath system that's basically a specialty line of products that can basically tackle any bath or shower project you can think of in a residential or commercial setting so we have a whole host we have hundreds and hundreds of shower pans, hundreds and hundreds of tubs. Uh, we have, we do shower doors. We'll do uh, fixture installation um, as far as like faucets, um, you know, seats, uh, some basic accessories, even, even go so far as maybe do some wainscoting in some bathrooms, but that's, that's pretty limited. So for the most yeah. part, it's 99.9% .9 is bath and showers. Now, so you don't get into like full customer models of like, you know, blowing out walls and making these master bathrooms, right? Like you're solely focused on, on this one area. Yeah. We like to use the word like, like for like, or similar setups, right? Cause it just kind of simplifies the process. So we, we really try to keep that scope pretty narrow so that, well, there's a whole bunch of reasons which we, which we can get into after, but we really only specialize in that. We're not, we're not looking for flooring work, vanities, toilets, moving walls. Um, we're just, we're trying to keep it, the way that it was for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. And and just out of curiosity, like what what's the market like in, in your area in Washington, like that Pacific Northwest area? Um, it's kind of interesting because we operate basically two locations. One is um, in the Tri-Cities of Washington. So it's kind of central Washington. It's east of the Cascade Mountains. So it's not Seattle, but it's east of that all the way through to the Spokane area, which kind of kind of trickles into the um, Idaho panhandle. So our market's a little bit interesting. It's it's huge. So we, we drive a lot. Um, you know, my guys probably hate it because they're driving two hours to a job. That's kind of our, our limit um, from either of our locations. Um, but the market, I think, is overall pretty good. It's growing. Um, you know, we show up on those top uh, real estate growth lists pretty regularly in the Spokane area. Um, and then the Apple, if you've ever had any wine from Washington, most of it's in the Apple and Wine Valley, which is in like the Yakima Tri-Cities Corridor there and Walla Walla, Washington. That's kind of our our, our um, area. That area is really mostly kind of new, not that old. So you got a lot of homes that are not, you know, 1980s kind of newer style homes. Versus the Spokane area is really an old, old city. Pretty small, but very old. So lots of cast iron and steel bathtubs and single, uh, single family homes with one bathroom. So which is which is great for us. Yeah. What what's the what's your customer demographic? Like, is it is it an older demographic? Like, I I just envision it is, but it, is it not? So, 
So from a demographic standpoint, I'd like to say we have three kind of different customers. We have, if you look at the older demographic, we're what you'd call a changing elder, somebody with some sort of a disability, a senior, whatever, right? Something that they're changing, they want to get a tub to shower conversion. So that's obviously one demographic, right? And generally speaking, that's a senior citizen um, with an older home. That's, that's our, you know, if you want to get really specific, our, our other two would be um, aesthetic updaters and functional fixers, right? So the aesthetic updaters are going to be those people who just kind of want an updated bathroom and just want something nicer. Sure. They want it done quick. So though, though that demographic is a little more uh, wider, let's just say, you know, um, and then you have the functional fixers, people who just have something wrong. They have a leak, a problem, a, a hole in their tile, grout lines coming up, whatever, right? A, a drain problem, something like that. So those two segments are kind of wider in the demographic. But generally speaking, we want to see 55 and up. We, are, we focus towards women, um, we want a home value of at least $150,000 or more. You know, we're looking for homes that are older. The reality is 20-year-old homes or more is, is our ideal prospect. Um, that's, that's, you know, we want to see $75,000 or more in uh, per capita income. Yeah, I like it. Sounds like you got it pretty, pr- pretty narrowly focused and your demographics figured out. Uh, I'm always curious, like you say, $150,000 home value. And it's so funny because it changes from you know yeah, region yeah. to region, like what that what that entails. Right? Yeah. Like a, a two hundred fifty thousand dollar home in upstate New York could be four thousand square feet, and here where I'm at in Maryland, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like you're lucky to get, you know, a, a townhouse in a nice area. Like that, you know, it's just so different the demographic. What what does one hundred fifty thousand dollars get you up there? Well, that depends. It used to up until like, uh, you know, 36 months ago, it got you an okay house. <laughs> uh, so today, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I can't answer that. I could 100%. Yeah. You know, um, we bought a two bedroom, two bath home, uh, small, like you know, thousand square foot home in a really nice neighborhood of Spokane in 2014 for $172,000. Today, that house is probably worth 400. So I don't know. But um, we want to, my main reason of saying that though, is like, you kind of just need the house to be worth of a certain, you know, sure. to make it more worthwhile. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, a, there's an ROI on that. Yeah. Um, awesome. I'd love to know, uh, you know, several things more about the business, but we'll dive into those here one at a time, but I'd like to know what, what are you most excited about? Like, what have you got, uh, that, that really excites you going on in the business? Should I say our next leap, uh, council meeting? <laughs> you're welcome to in full disclosure so everybody knows too obviously like you're a member of our of our uh, leap customer advisory board so we we certainly appreciate the input and guidance that you give us but yeah that's a that's a great plug uh, yeah no, i'm just kidding uh but i think uh, i mean in the big picture you know i don't know i love coming to work i love uh today i love i love coming to work even more today than i did three four years ago but for us, I think the growth of the business, you know, we're moving into a new location next year. We're, we're, we're looking to grow, but I'm really looking at kind of just totally dialing in the business, making sure every process is, is completely dialed in, making sure that our customer experience and the, the whole journey that they go through to get our product is really dialed in and really good, um, you know, and helping our team grow, get more training. So those are things I'm kind of excited about, you know, um, from our little little world over here. What's the, you mentioned customer experience and, and naturally that's right up my alley. Like, I just love to understand, like, where do you see the biggest area uh, or opportunity for improvement within your customer experience? Like for us specifically or for the industry? Uh, well, for you specifically, but if you think it's different for the industry, love to hear that too. Well, for us specifically, I think that we, um, 
you know, I just want to have it so that like every customer, when they talk to us kind of gets the same setup, right. Where it's sometimes it's this, sometimes it's like, we kind of miss the mark. You know, we do, we do, I think we do a great job overall. And, you know, we have a, a, a great rating on, um, you know, Google reviews and with four star rating and a plus and all that good stuff. Right. But, and I think for the most part, we do a, we do a really good job, but there's some, there's a few holes that are not like totally dialed in. Um, and it often comes down to communication. I think that, that the biggest breakdown is going to be people just kind of want to have an expectation. They want to be communicated with properly. So that experience is going to be, is going to make or break in there. I think obviously our technicians in the field are, are fantastic. They usually come in and, um, save the day when we screw it up on the communication side, or if we screw it up on the, on that side of it. And then, maybe the after sale right like having a bit more of a of a better process for if something goes wrong if you got a small issue or you got a whatever right if something goes wrong i want to make sure that we have that that whole process after install or post install completely dialed in so that you know we have appropriate response times we have you know just to make sure that's completely um completely dialed in from a to z yeah absolutely uh, are you guys just out of curiosity I, i've talked about this with a couple other people but like are you are you doing anything post sale with your customers to either get referrals, get reviews, uh, send a thank you gift card? I don't know any of those things. Do you, what do you do today post sale? Not enough. Let's just put it that way. Okay. We kind of communicate with them, like we'll contact them. Um, you know, sometimes we'll ask for their business, uh, sort of ask for future business referrals. So it's just, I was talking about the get the referral thing, but like we we need to dial that in a little further to figure out a true referral system after. And I mean, maybe the the gift situation or the gift thing where you give someone a gift after the sale. I think that that's, uh, those are all good things that we're kind of, and we're also looking into that, you know? Yeah. What, what's your, what's your current lead time from, uh, I say lead time, but the time from job is sold to the time that it's installed. I like to see everything installed in six weeks, just because the consumer likes that the best. I'm mean, going to gives us enough time for ordering materials, arrival, processing, all that good stuff. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, this, this earlier this year, we were as far as 14 to 14 weeks out, but, um, right now we've kind of, we've kind of branded back in. We've got, got a pretty good spot where we're probably about eight to 10 weeks at the most right now. And how, how are you, how are you keeping the customer in the loop and, and, you know, making sure that they're not getting anxious as that time period, you know, ticks on? Well, one, set the, the, the expectation up front, right? When we sell the job, here's what it's going to look like. We're going to be eight to 10 weeks out. We're going to make sure that they sign off on it. We, in fact, we have a sign up in the leap that says, Hey, you know, right now we like to, you know, we're right now we're installing jobs in six to eight weeks, but some, some of them are taking 12 to 14 weeks. So we're just setting the expectation that if something goes wrong, back orders, whatever, right. There could be, you know, obviously this preventative sick days and COVID and all that stuff. We're, we're dealing with a whole bunch of variety of factors here that are delaying stuff. So we're just trying to put it out there. Like, look, we're going to do our absolute best. Um, but if we set that, you know, set the expectation ahead of time, have them sign off on it usually goes okay. Then we're giving them notifications as throughout the process. When the materials get ordered, they get an email. When the materials are um, in, in progress, they get an email. Then they get an email when, you know, or then they get a call from us to schedule the actual job. So they're getting communication from us the entire time. Yeah, that's great. And I, I imagine um, you're seeing a good response from customers with that clear communication of knowing, setting the right expectations. And that's that's sort of keeping them at bay from from coming to you restless. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, listen, we're not perfect at it, but yeah, for the most part, that keeps people mostly, um, mostly happy. And, you know, people are 
customers are really actually pretty agreeable when it comes down to it, especially if you set the expectation right and you talk to them, you yeah. communicate with them. You know, people are pretty cool. You know, customers are really pretty nice overall. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to understand. I know you've been doing this now. I guess you know, probably feels like a long time, even though relatively speaking, it's probably not that long, but 15, 16, 17, 18 years, something like that. Um, what has helped you? What what maybe resources have helped you along the way? Uh, you know, you mentioned like uh, you're more excited today than you were maybe three, four years ago. Like, are, are there things in your life or things that your resources that you're reading or people you're listening to or things that um, are providing knowledge and insight along the way? Well, uh, yes. So, well, I, the reason I mentioned three, four, five years ago is because it was a little more buried then, right? Like today we're you know, we started in 2013 here and, um, you know, and when we were, you know, I was the only employee, right. I hired two people, three people, four people. So, you know, like four people yeah. in 2013 and now we're 30. Right. So I was buried five years, three, four years ago. Right. Like just doing a little bit of everything. Didn't know really what I was doing. Right. So anyway, what I think today has helped me is I've hired a coach. I've hired a business coach through, um, um, e which is a book I'm sure many people, many business owners are, are, uh, have heard of or read or whatever, but it was something that really changed my perspective on, on everything. And then I eventually got so far to look for a coach and it turns out they have a great coaching, uh, program that, that you can actually go through. And I've been doing that for about two and a half years. And that's been a total game changer for me personally. And for the business, I think. What do you think has been like the biggest uh, benefit of that or biggest you know, piece of information they've, they've given you that's really like maybe opened a door or, or allowed you to think differently about something? So from the coaching standpoint, you mean? Yeah, exactly. So I guess for, for it, it allows me to look at the business totally different. Like it took me three years to understand. Like I read the book in like 2012 or 13 and it's like they always like working on the business. And it's like, mm -hmm. what does that mean? You're like you got to work on the business and not in the business. And I was in it like everything, yep. you know, and I still am to a certain degree. But at the same time, it's like working on it. Like it took me three years to even realize what the hell that even meant. And and then it the coaching thing takes once you start you, know, you met your coach and you start going through the process it allows you to have this um, really introspective look at what you're doing from a day-to-day -day basis and what the owner spends his time doing and what your role is in the company and what the vision is and what the strategic objective is. And it actually, you know, the coach makes you or your coach will, will make you think about all these things and, and talk about them and, and write them down and hold you accountable. It's like, Hey, is this part of the vision? You know? Yeah. Which is that's great. It's, it's been I, I don't know of any other thing that's been more um, instrumental than that. Um, but, you know, I read a lot. I try to read a lot. Like, you know, I read the first couple chapters of each book I buy. And, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you better hope all the information's there or else it's not uh, being absorbed, right? Yeah, yeah. Then I go to YouTube after the first couple chapters and get the gist of it. <laughs> uh, I'd love to know, like, that's a big thing for business owners, uh, getting stuck working in their business and not on it. And, uh, so for you, like, what does that mean? Like what, what kind of things do you do to, to work on your business, um, that, that you obviously weren't looking at before when you were in it? Well, as a franchise, I guess you start with some basic systems and processes. So I think the system and processes that they bring that I was never really looking at, it's like, well, why don't we just write down how we're doing this? Like, why don't we just put this on paper, make steps. And again, there's still many things we don't do this way, but like certain things it's like, okay, well, why don't we. Just write down the whole process, like what's actually going on today, why it doesn't look like it's working well, and I actually evaluate a system and process, like actually 
taking the time to evaluate what you're currently doing, dissect it, and then try to make a new one after that. And then that's really been something that we've been worked on a lot. Um, and as a franchise, you have some of those things, which is great, you know, but then what I've been able to, which is so for us, we've been able to kind of really dial them in. You make, I guess you have a lot more traction because, you know, they're already 50, 60% of the way there from what the franchise has, has offered you. And then you just take them to the next level and customize them for your own particular team and your own business. Um, so that's been really helpful. So we didn't have to like go from zero to a hundred. We've been able to go from 60 to hundred and able to kind of just dial in way more things to kind of just do a lot more different things that we can get through stuff pretty like a lot quicker than we, um, you know, we're not starting from scratch, I guess is my point in the systems and processes standpoint. So it's even yeah, more productive. Yeah, absolutely. And what was it like for you to, to sort of remove yourself from the day to day of the business and like empower people to do those things that were consuming your time before? Well, you're, one, your coach says, look, you have to, or you're going to be, you're never going to be able to do what you want to do. You're never going to be able to take a day off. You're not going to be able to go on vacation. You're not going to be able to grow the business to the next level. You're not going to think about scaling it. You're not going to, you're just not going to, basically what I told her I wanted to get wasn't going to happen if I stayed there. So to me, it was like, I, I have to, right. And I didn't really know how to do it, to be honest, because I was always kind of the manager and I like, I like working with each person and it's hard to let somebody else kind of get in the middle of that, you know, like hiring a manager, which we've done. Um, and there's been some struggles, you know, like I like to say that, you know, it's, it's hard to teach somebody management skills. It really is. And people skills. It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. What's it, what's it been like building, uh, this team out you know, over the last five, six years, 10 years, however long it's been like, what's it been like building out a team? It, well, I just, you know, I still hire every single person that comes into this business because I want to make sure they got the right attitude. I want to make sure they have the right, um, it's the right fit for them. We have a whole variety of positions, right? We have some administrative roles. We have some sales roles. We have some in installation role, like installer roles, which are basically trades people. Then we have some really entry-level positions and they vary a lot. So you kind of got to, you got to, like the guy you hired to, to be a sales rep is obviously completely different from the technician in the field, right? Everybody we hire is W2. So we don't have like a structure where we have a bunch of subs come into the mix. We have to literally get an attitude, uh, characteristic assessment, and evaluate their technical skills of a tradesperson before we bring them in, right? So it's like, I guess my, to answer your question is, it's, it's, it's time consuming. It's extremely time consuming, I would say, interviewing. Um, and I feel like that's probably my most time consuming uh, role today. What, uh, what have you learned uh, going through that process of building out the team? I know you, you mentioned some things there, but like what, what stands out to you that, that you know now that you didn't know when you started this journey of, of building out a team? <laughs> well, the hiring thing is, is one of those things where you just don't, you don't totally know. And I don't know that, um, I've learned a lot and a couple, one is one, you need to have a system and process on how to recruit, onboard, train, hire. And my coaches really helped me with that. Uh, we didn't do that before and we've had some successes and some failures, but the reality is if you don't have those things, it's really hard to do. And so I've learned to have a real system and process for, for the whole, um, the whole process, the same interview questions. Uh, what do you do in the first interview, how you structure each one of them, you know, and then what do you do when you onboard them, how you train them? That's been a big thing, but you know, like actually interviewing people and figuring out who's a good fit. I mean, I think I, I would love to be able to say logically that I could, 
pin, you know, say like, I always know this and this is the right thing to look for in a person is, I just don't think that's realistic. You know, I've, I've kind of hired from all different angles of it, you know, like when we're looking for technicians, for example, you look at guys who've had their own business who kind of want to come work for us. Then you bring guys who are totally green and teach them. Like we've kind of gone in every direction. At the end of the day, the only thing that's consistent is if the attitude's good and I feel like there's a fit, it's probably going to work. Yeah. Uh, is, is there transition just a little bit? I asked you earlier about like, you know, what are you most excited about? Um, on the flip side of that, is there anything that keeps you up at night? Is there anything that you worry about or that just keeps a lot of your attention focused on that? Not nearly as much anymore, uh, but a lot about my team, really. I was kind of focused like, on them, like, you know, what what is this working for them? You know, mm-hmm. um, that sort of things like I wouldn't say keep me up at night. I'm I'm not like I try not to stress too much. I've been I feel like I've done this long enough that like. I feel like we're pretty predictable. So there's like, I'm not staying, like there's nothing that's really kind of haunting me in that regard. Like, you know, um, but I think that, you know, really is focuses on the team, right? Like, are they going to, or is this, are we providing the right environment for them to work in? Those are the things I kind of think about a lot that like, maybe we're not doing a good enough job at training. Maybe we're not good, a good enough job at offering different opportunities to different people on the team. And those are things that kind of keep me thinking about the business. Cause I ultimately know that if, if, if without our team members, we're, we're basically, we're done. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. Um, as you think about the next, you know, three to five years, um, you know, uh, you, you see the business grow. I'm curious from an industry perspective, you know, what do you, what do you see as far as changes coming in the industry in the next three to five years? Are there any, or, or, you know, do you think it changes dramatically a little bit? Just curious what your thoughts are. I don't know about dramatically, not for us specifically. Listen, bathroom has been around for 37 years, so I don't see some drastic change coming from our, you know, scope of work or that kind of thing. But you know, industry changes are going to come like, right. You know, we all see the, the, um, not getting in your car and driving to a sales call is right. And going to sell a job is probably not going to happen in four five, six years from now. Right. You know, like to actually go to an onsite visit, you know, like most people in the roofing industry don't go at all. Right. Like you, you know, the deal. I mean, you know, it's like, it's crazy that, that the reality is we don't have to get in our car anymore to go do, to sell it, to sell a job, which is pretty cool, I guess. So I think that's going to happen. I don't know. Um, and it's already happening. Um, as far as, you know, the homeowners um, hiring home improvement professionals, I think is the good news is for us. I think it's it's going to remain the same, you know, not exactly the same, but it's people are always going to need someone to do something in, on their home, especially if the values of their homes continuously, you know, creep up there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, from a, from a um, supply chain perspective, like have you guys been affected at all by all the, uh, the, the sort of delays in, in supply chain? You know, we're really fortunate because a lot of our product is made by BathFitter and we purchase it from them. There are some stuff like commodities, wood, materials, you know, drywall screws, whatever, right? That stuff, you know, is, is is not from there, but a lot of our product comes from them. So we've seen a little bit of disruption and they've done a fantastic job of keeping us mostly um, mostly flush with, with the product, which has been great. Um, you know, we're not ordering windows from four different places and, you know, we don't do windows, but my point is we don't have multiple, we only kind of, I would say 80% of all our product is purchased from one vendor. Um, so that's been good. They've been, they've been good at delivering to us. You know, we have some back orders here and there, but for the most part, we've been able to, uh, we've been able to, 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 to kind of not be extremely effective, you know, other than shipping costs have gone up, but other than that, we haven't really had to reschedule jobs and push stuff way out because of back orders. And do you think, do you think the specialization, like on how narrowly focused you are on, on what you specialize in, do you think that, plays a role into it as well. hundred percent. You're not as exposed. Yes. 
I mean, that's that's really what it is, right? Because the reality is there's only, you know, we have certain products can be reused for the same projects that, you know, the same things, right? So there's certain wall systems, for example, and certain fixtures. They're not, they're specifically ordered for that customer, but it doesn't mean we don't have seven other ones on the shelf currently. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I'd love to know, what, what are you doing when you're not working? What do you enjoy doing? Well, I love working, so that's good. I consider it a hobby. Um, and I, <laughs> I, uh, I take on a lot of different remodel projects at my own home um, or any, or uh, you know, that kind of thing. I love doing that kind of hands-on work when I can. Um, I'm not very good at it, but I like doing it. Um, we're actually gearing up for the snowmobile season up here. So uh, up in northern Idaho, there's some fantastic uh, snowmobile trails. So I, I do a lot of that. I'm kind of gearing up for some big snowboarding and uh, snowmobile trips coming up. So that's what's kind of occupying my time right now. And then I'll, I have a three and a half year old son. So obviously that's pretty time consuming as well. Yeah. Tell me about it. Right? <laughs> I know. I know those adventures. Uh, mine turns four here real shortly. Uh, when, what, what kind of remodeling projects do you do? Well, I personally, like, I'll take on the easy stuff because, like, like I said, I'm not that – I was a medium installer and I'm a medium technician. I like it, you know. <laughs> like, I like messing around the garage and screwing around with cars and, uh, you know, like, I'll, whatever – basically, my house has been remodeled from A to Z, whether it's, you know, windows, painting, trim, um, adding a balcony, adding a garage, adding a deck, you know, whatever, right? So, I'm always kind of kind of doing something different there. Where do you go to learn how to do these things? Are you looking on YouTube or – Yes. How yeah. <laughs> and I have a, I have a, a, a contractor we use at, you know, he helps me with some, some stuff and you know, a lot of stuff is we've kind of worked together on it, but yeah, YouTube is a huge, uh, um, that's I mean, crazy what you can learn how to do in, in a short period of time if you want to. Oh, for sure. I've, uh, you know, I enjoy starting demo projects and stuff. I'm like, I'll get about 80% of the way there and I'll, I'll hang up some drywall and then I'm like, I don't really want to do all this taping and mudding and finishing. <laughs> and I agree. Like, That's my problem. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Me too. I mean, I kind of will take it, like I'll make the plan and then kind of do some stuff and fill in the blanks and then have some other people do the work, you know, throughout the process. But the yeah. other thing is, I don't know, I was thinking about making a company like, and then the last part of the project, like the last 10% of the project kind of always kind of lingers to like the yes. little painting touch-ups. So I was actually thinking about opening a home improvement company completely separate that just is like yep. a wrap up punch list kind of thing. Yep. Call it the last 10%. Exactly. <laughs> you don't need the most skilled person to do it. You just need right. the punch list to get done. You know, everybody wants it done. You know, I was talking to my buddy, yeah. but we were joking about it. Like it's always that last little bit that never kind of gets totally dialed in. The shelf never gets put up. The, the uh -huh. finishing touches never get completely done, you know? <laughs> like crown molding on the kitchen cabinets. And I'm speaking from experience here. Yeah. I'm just walking around <laughs> your house and go, that's not done. That's weird. Like, oh, we yeah. got most of the way there. And it's like, God, that's weird. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, I, I'm glad you're looking forward to winter. Uh, I am not, I need to get more winter activities. Um, you come know, on up I, here, man. I, I got an extra sled. You can come, come try it out. What's, uh, that, it's, uh, I awesome. can't wait for winter. Yeah. I, All year long, I, I wait for it. I need some more winter activities and I think I'd enjoy it more. I spend my winter counting down until it's spring. So I think, I think that's my problem. <laughs> that's torture, man. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, I, I, I appreciate it. We're getting uh, about out of time here, but I'd love to know just the last thing, you know, what advice do you have for, for others that, uh, maybe similar to you are in are an installer uh, and maybe have ambitions of um, getting into the business side of it. You know, what advice do you have from them? Any mistakes you've learned that maybe can help them? Uh, but just curious to know uh, those listening that maybe have 
you know, some ambitions to continue on in their, in their career paths? Well, I, I, I guess for me, I was kind of in a really fortunate situation, but like we've experienced, I kind of, I kind of learned a little bit as, you know, you know, when I started, when I ran my own business, I'm like, okay, you can't do everything right and it actually comes down to to the e-myth book if you've ever read it they you know they break it down from the technician the manager and the entrepreneur and the reality is it's it's this concept you can't really do everything right like even because you're a good technician doesn't mean you should run a business right and and even if you are a good technician you need to figure out how to way to get somebody to help you with the entrepreneur side and then the management side right so i guess knowing what you're good at and then really try to focus on that like for myself when i opened the business I said, I can't go do the work. Like I, I got to make a clear boundary for myself. Like even if I had the most screaming mad customer that wanted the job done tomorrow, no matter what the, like I couldn't, I, I was not going to let myself go in and jump in and go fix that problem. Like I would, you know, obviously talk to them, but I wasn't going to go and actually do the work. Um, and I did it one time. And I remember the whole time I was kicking myself in the ass doing this install. I still remember the place. Like when we first opened, the people were so upset, but we kind of needed the money. I wanted to do the work and I just wanted to get it out of the way. So they didn't complain. And like, I just, then I realized I can't do this. Like it's, so I guess a lot of times if, if you're looking at getting to the next step, you can't look at doing it all yourself. And at some point I looked at a little bit like that for myself, but also realized like doing all these little things just going out and selling a job and running a sales call like it's you can't do that like you can't get into every single role like and sometimes you feel like you're so forced to do that because it's the only way it's going to go but it's almost you got to pull yourself out of that so much that you know and for someone like me who just said oh I, I, I can go do that I've sold before I've done this before I can run that sales call I can go install that job I can fix that service problem whatever you know um, I, I think pulling yourself out of that will allow you to take the next step that makes sense yeah absolutely so it's like understanding what your strengths are exactly you know, i know i know for me it's like being able to say no like it's super hard you know mm -hmm. you, you want to do everything and maybe maybe there's things you can do well um but it's taken away from other things and, and there's other people that may be able to do it better and uh, so for me i know it's like saying no <laughs> i mean saying no is is tricky right like even to staff or whatever when things come up or saying no to customers or saying no to jobs or whatever right like that's it's hard uh, to say no to my four-year-old son Yes. He wants something. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, all right, Andrew. Hey, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for joining us and uh, have a great day. Well, thanks, Tom. Well, that'll do it for today's show. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of Leaps and Bounds. If you did, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast. We look forward to bringing you more exclusive conversations with some of the most successful home improvement leaders. If you're interested in learning more about Leap, be sure to check us out at leaptodigital.com or follow us on our social channels. Until next time, see ya.